thanks for checking out the Texas Triple Play podcast. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms, TX Triple Play on Twitter and Instagram, and the Texas Triple Play Facebook group. Also, make sure to check us out and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now, it is baseball time in Texas. Welcome to the Texas Triple Play Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Staten. Thanks for joining us again this week. When this episode comes out, we will be less than 24 hours from opening day uh, and the opening game of the season between the Yankees and the Nationals. And uh, we will be less than 48 hours from the uh, first game of the Astros and Rangers season. We're going to talk about that in more detail in this episode. We also want to talk about opening day rosters. A few things have been confirmed. A few things have come through. and We want to um, point to some projections in areas that we're not 100% sure yet. I'm also going to walk through the, that first series for both teams and take a look at the uh, other the guys playing on the other side. And then uh, we're going to do some bold predictions for the uh, 2020 season, including records, MVPs for both teams, and some things that I think we could see um, that would frankly be shocking on both sides. This and more in this week's episode of the Texas Triple Play Podcast. All right, so out of the two teams, the Rangers have actually announced their opening day roster. The Astros have not. So we're going to go ahead and do the Rangers first, and we're going to look at um, some surprises, um, big-time surprises that were included on this roster that I absolutely either just did not see coming um, or uh, was, frankly, don't not 100% certain why they were on the roster. So just being completely frank. So let's go ahead and let's walk through uh, the opening day roster. Um, so first is catcher. Uh, Robbie Torinos, um, Jose Trevino, and Jeff Mathis. This isn't surprising with rosters being at uh, 30 um, men rosters for the first two weeks of the season. We had 100% expected them to carry three catchers. Um, whenever the season trims down, we could see them uh, lose one of these guys, and it's probably going to be Trevino. We'll probably see him go to uh, get get optioned to their taxi squad. But I would suspect that this is going to be some back and forth. I think you'll see a good mix of these catchers. I think Robbie will be up for the majority of the season, if not all the season. But I think between Mathis and Trevino, I think we'll see them go back and forth throughout the year. Infielders, Todd Frazier, who we talked about, will be playing first base. Rudnett Adore, second. Isaiah Kanafalefa, who's had a great summer and spring, will be holding down third base. Elvis Andrews, of course, at short. And then Ronald Guzman is the lone depth um, I, th- I guess true infielder. He's going to be a defensive replacement at first base. Um, and uh, not on this list is Greg Bird. And we're going to talk about him a little bit more here in just a second. But he was brought on, obviously, big time rank uh, Yankees prospect for a long time, brought on to potentially win that first base job um, or corner, uh, one of the corner outfielder jobs and just has not shown out in spring, not done well at all behind the base paths. So we'll talk about him, um, a little bit more here in just a second. Outfielders, uh, Willie Calhoun, he had a hip flexor that we weren't hundred percent certain what he was going to be ready for opening day. I, don't, I still don't think he's going to be ready for opening day, but they're not going to put him on DL. They're going to keep him on just the normal roster. So that's a good sign for Willie. Uh, he did hit in an expedition game yesterday. Um, but 
Uh, he is going to, I think, uh, probably not play opening day, but will be uh, probably fully ready to go about a week or so into the season. Willie, Danny Santana, Joey Gallo, Sushin Chu, which is probably going to be your full-time DH. Nick Solak, who can also double as uh, infielder depth, um, but will also mainly be playing outfield. Scott Heineman, uh, who, like I said, I thought Eli White was going to have an opportunity here and, until he got hurt with that oblique injury. Oblique injury. Scott Heineman benefits from that is and is going to uh, be taking that spot in the outfield. Leody Traveris is the surprise of the outfield. Um, he's included on the on the 30-man roster. He's 21 years old. If he sounds familiar, he's been in the organization for forever. He was one of the signings directly out of the Dominican Republic. Um, and he's been defensive ready. We've talked about him on this podcast before. Gold glove, ready to go in the outfield. His problem has always been his bat. He has responded to that by hitting 292 this offseason with two home runs, has shown a good consistent mix of power and contact, and uh, that's what they wanted to see. And because of that, he's made the opening day roster. I don't know if he will be one of the guys um, that will last when we bump this down to 28 or bump this down to 26. Um, and I think there will probably be some back and forth between him and some other players in the roster as we get into the season. But it's very encouraging both for Rangers fans and for Leody that he made the opening day roster. So good for him. The one other outfield on this list that I frankly did not expect to make it uh, is Rob Snyder. Now, Rob is an outfielder that um, historically in his career has been very up and down. Um, I guess that's to say it nicely. Uh, he hasn't played full-time in the majors since 2018 with the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, played last year in, in minor league and played in uh, in minor league before that as well. Um, Rob is, has played second base outfielder in first place. So there's some versatility there. But he has, like I said, not been historically in a situation uh, where we've seen him take a lot of major league at bats. His last major league at bat was in 2018 with the Rays. Um, and in that 2018 season, 214 batting average uh, appeared in uh, 23 games. Um, and so he was considered a, by many a long shot to make this roster. Uh, and I, I can't chalk this up to anything but probably depth at a number of positions. He is 29 years old. Uh, he is right-handed um, and primarily plays left field. So I I'm, I'm don't know how he's going to work into the long-term uh, you know, position here on, on, on this team. He was added on a minor league contract in the offseason. But he showed enough, apparently, for them to consider him and, and to keep him on the opening day roster. So uh, good for you, Rob. Um, I hope he can stay up here. Starting pitchers, Lance Lynn, Mike Miner, Corey Kluber, uh, Kyle Gibson, and Jordan Lyles. That's not surprising. Jordan was the kind of the question here. Uh, there have been some back and forth whether he was going to work out of the bullpen or be that fifth starter. The interesting thing is in the first 11 days of the Rangers season, they do have three off days, and you could see potentially them just go four pitchers and a four-pitcher rotation with Jordan coming out of the bullpen. Um, so we'll see. Jordan has had four outings in spring and summer. He has looked up and down, uh, to say it, to say it lightly. He's looked really sharp at times. He's looked like he's lost command at times. 
Um, so we'll see in the uh, regular season if he's able to um, to kind of move away from that inconsistency into being a more stable fifth starter on your on your rotation. Your relief pitchers are Jose Leclerc, who will be your starter. Jonathan Hernandez, which has probably been one of the biggest stories coming out of spring and summer. We've talked about him on this podcast, I think, twice. Uh, it had a good 2019, really came on in 2019, and this was after they decided last year they were going to move him full-time to being a relief pitcher. He had historically been a starting pitcher on the staff. And once they moved him to the bullpen and he was able to work with things like his two-seamer, his slider, his changeup, his curveball, uh, that's when we really started to see him come on and he started working his way through the system very quickly. Um, he's still fairly young, 23 years old, has probably the best just pure stuff that you're going to find um, maybe in the whole system. Uh, yeah, high upside guy. If he stays as a reliever and he really can work those limited inning roles or even work maybe two or or three innings at a time, depending on what he can give this bullpen, that could be a godsend. And uh, if the Rangers want to make the playoffs in in 2020, he could be a big reason why. So Jesse Chavez, who had said historically he was going to retire uh, if he did not make the team, um, has made the team. So good for him. Uh, He will be pitching for, I believe, another year. He's 36 years old. I feel like he's been with his organization for forever. It's only been, in reality, just a few years. But uh, his name has been been back and forth with this team for a long time, but he will continue to work out of the bullpen here. So Jose Leclerc, Jonathan Hernandez, Jesse Chavez, Edison Valquez, uh, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more here in a second, Nick Goody, who uh, established himself last year, Luke Farrell, Joe Poblamo, and then Kobe Allard, obviously, who came over in the uh, Braves deal last year, and who could potentially be your fifth starter if Jordan Miles uh, decides to uh, to continue to work through that inconsistency. The last relief pitcher on the staff is Ian Gibbot or Ian Gibbett. Um, and he is was brought up last year, 5.23 ERA, um, limited minor league experience previously, had played for the Twins. Um, historically, you know, kind of the guy that was a career minor league player um, and came up last year and got some exposure with the Rangers. He had looked decent in summer, but I'm not going to say he blew the doors off. Um, of this of this team, and I'm also going to say that it, it's interesting to me who was excluded uh, from this team when you look at just the the overall makeup of uh, of this roster. So Brett Martin, um, we knew was going to not make the roster as he had tested positive for uh, COVID nineteen. We we were under we had already kind of known that he wasn't going to make it. Now the the name though. It's interesting here that that Ian kind of takes the place of is Taylor Hearns. Taylor had had a fairly good spring, pretty good summer, looked sharp in his appearances. When Woody was asked about this, though, the thing that he brought up was consistently throwing strikes. And it sounds like he really wants guys that are able to come in, control the game, get ahead of, of batters. And if there's one thing that Taylor has struggled with in his career, that's the ability to put the ball in the strike zone on a consistent basis. So um, I think Taylor's going to be one of those guys. He, he'll be a first up when the uh, season, you know, kind of gets a position where they start rotating some of these pitchers out. Obviously, we'll probably see some um, some injuries and things of that nature. Uh, but we'll be I'll be interested to see kind of uh, what direction that goes because he was impressive. And uh, and I'll be, be very intrigued to see when he does get a call up 
One last thing I wanted to note about the Rangers opening day roster is uh, there are two guys on the roster, Ian Gabot and uh, Ryan, uh, Rob Ruffsnyder, that are not on the 40-man roster, along with, I mentioned, Edison Valquez. They are not on the 40-man roster, and currently there's only two spots open. It's looking more and more like Johander Mendez, who uh, did not make his opening day roster, is going to probably be the guy that's going to be cut here from the 40-man um, it, it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but it's one of those things that, you know, it's a casualty. It, it happens from time to time. Um, Yodan's been with the organization for a while. I think that he'll probably stay with the organization as far as I don't think someone will claim him. I could be, you know, uh, persuaded one way or the other, obviously. And if someone puts a claim on him, that's that. Um, but I think that they'll you'll be a little interested to see who they end up adding uh, to clear this spot for this other guy in the 40-man roster. So, um, again, big surprises on uh, Leody Traveris, uh, Rob Ruffsnyder, Ian Gibbett out of the bullpen, um, and, as, and then obviously some things that we were already aware of, uh, Zero kind of Falefa kind of starting at third base, um, Todd Fraser getting the call at, at uh, first um, and uh, when you look at the outfield depth, a guy like Nick Solak, who can provide depth around all around the infield. So let's go ahead and move into our Astros roster preview. Now, this is not as kind of cut and dry as the Rangers one is. Uh, obviously, we know the Rangers opening day roster, so that makes it much easier. Um, we do not know the, the Astros yet, but I'm going to go ahead and put out my kind of best guess after looking at the spring, looking at the players in the roster, looking at what a guy like Dusty Baker have said and James Click have said. Um, so let's go ahead and start with the catchers again. Uh, I have Garrett Stubbs, Martin Maldonado, and Dustin Garneau. Stubbs also has gotten some play in right field. I think there's a little bit of versatility there. Um, and they'll obviously, uh, I think every organization, minor league, uh, sorry, major league organization is going to carry three catchers to start the year. Infield, I have Yuri Gurriel, uh, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman. That's your... Uh, the obvious locks, and then um, Alindis Diaz, who is probably going to be your DH while Yardon Alvarez is still out with his undisclosed condition. I also have Abraham Toro, who, uh, as we've talked about on this podcast, hit 365 last year, is a younger middle in- of infield prospect, a guy that could play second, he could play uh, shortstop, he could play third. His most natural position is probably shortstop, so he'll have some some depth there. And then I'm going to include Taylor Jones. Taylor Jones has looked great in this kind of extended summer camp. Um, went two for two in the recent game against the Royals. Is uh, that 6'5", 225 first base prospect that I think really could push Yuli uh, for time and could be your starting first baseman next year. Um, has the power, has above average defensive capability, just hasn't historically had a spot at this level and really... Last year was the year that he really ended up working into his own at that position. Outfield, I have Springer, uh, Michael Brantley, Kyle Tucker, and that was the obvious, and then obviously Josh Reddick. For the fifth outfielder position, I know that we've talked about guys like Chase McCormick on this podcast before, but I'm going to go Miles Straw specifically for his speed. Miles um, Straw is a guy that could be optioned you know, up and down as the season moves on, but We've seen them really be enamored with his speed on this team previously. He adds a, a dynamic that not many other players on this roster or any roster can add as he is just so fast. So I think they will keep him up for that uh, kind of in-game situation uh, base running. 
the bullpen and the starting pitchers is where things get really interesting. I think we have a pretty good idea of what your starting pitchers is going to be as um, Justin Verlander, uh, Granke, Lance McCullers, Josh James, and then Fambir Valdez. Uh, Vermeer is a probably the most recent lock out of all of those as we, we are still holding out hope that Jose Arquiti was going to have the opportunity to start in the opening opening day roster, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So again, JV, Zach Granke, Lance McCullers, Josh James, and then Fabir, Famir uh, Valdez. Your relief pitching, um, <laughs> and this is where things get really, really interesting because this is kind of a game of who's left not available right now or a guy like Brad Peacock not available right now is a guy like Robert or Robert Ozuna um, not available right now uh, is or for maybe the whole season is Joe Smith gone is Will Harris gone is uh, Colin McHugh who actually is going to be opting out of the 2020 season he had signed a deal with the Red Sox but his uh, arm injury didn't heal as quickly as he was wanting to so He's gone. So now it's this game of who's left. Chris Davinsky, who has had a track record on this bullpen, if his changeup works for him, he will be consistent. He will be effective. Brian Abreu showed true last year in his limited time in the bullpen, has all the stuff to be a major league starting pitcher or relief pitcher. I think he'll work out of the bullpen primarily, especially at this point in his career. Joe Bagalini, who came over last year in the Aaron Sanchez deal as well, uh, with the Blue Jays was kind of the lot the lost guy in this rotation. Uh, this bullpen rotation um, ended up being in minor leagues the end part of last year, but had a, just a sub three year array. Has a lot of of major league experience, and especially is going to get a look here considering the lack of arms in the bullpen to start. Christian Xavier, minor league pitcher for the Astros last year, one point seven five ERA has looked ultra consistent in spring and summer ball. I'm going to go ahead and say not only is he going to be in this bullpen to start the year, but I think he'll stay in this bullpen to last the year. The lack of depth at this bullpen moving forward and his ability to get guys out, high K rate for him, uh, I think he is going to have the ability to really establish himself as a major league pitcher going forward. Cy Sneed. Cy Sneed is really interesting. Got his call up last year. Um... ERA fluctuated between low fours, high threes, was a low four whenever he got called up from minor leagues. But when you looked at his time of work, it was very limited. He was being used primarily as a late reliving, relieved reliever pitcher or a closer. When he came up, he was used almost as a long reliever, was able to, to go two, three innings. And this is how we've seen him be used in summer ball. He has come in to kind of piggyback a starter, get two, three innings at a time, uh, and then pass it off to a closer. And uh, I think not only will he make the opening day roster, but um, Dusty Baker's had good things to say about him recently, talking about how well he's pitched, talking about how they want to use him. Brett Strom has talked about how well uh, uh, Cy has pitched as well. Blake Taylor is a left-handed pitcher, which is something the Astros don't have, so he instantly makes the opening day roster. No, I'm kidding. He is a left-handed pitcher, 6'2", um, 235, has worked as a closer primarily in the uh, the summer ball, but I don't think that's where he'll fall whenever we get into the actual season. 
He is left-handed. I think he adds that depth that the Astros have not had there historically. Uh, he's younger, and I think uh, he's the 12th overall prospect in their system. I think he'll have, he'll have the opportunity, especially with the early part here, um, to to be coming out of the bullpen. Anol Perez is uh, or Paradis is an interesting player. He is a Dominican player who has had potential, has worked his way quickly through the system, um, and has a good fastball with movement, both two-seam and four-seam. He is going to have the opportunity, I think, at least early on in this bullpen just because of the lack of options. I don't see him blasting on the roster going full-time just because he doesn't have that elite stuff you typically look for. Um, but he he should be on the opening day roster coming out of the bullpen. And then Brandon Ballack is the 11th overall prospect in this this organization. He's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, has, has shown the ability to throw off-speed pitches consistently. He has a really nice kind of slider curve that he uses um, off the third base side of the rubber that really throws both right-handed pitch, uh, right-handed batters off, and then also works into left-handed batters, and has looked consistent um, in summer ball as well. And I expect him to make the roster. So for those keeping track at home, again, I have Garrett Stubbs, Martin Maldonado. Dustin Garneau, Yuli Gariel, uh, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Alandis Diaz, Abraham Toro, and Taylor Jones. Springer, Brantley, Tucker, Straw, and Reddick in the outfield. That's 15 players. And then Chris Davinsky, Brian Abreu, Joe Bagalini, Christian Xavier, Sly Sneed, Blake Taylor, Anolas Paredes, Brandon Bilek, and then your starting pitchers, Justin Verlander, Zach Granke, Lance McCullers, Josh James, Vermeer Valdez, and then the last guy in this bullpen is Ryan Presley, who will probably be closing for this team while Roberto Ozuna is not going to be available. Not on this roster um, that were still, their status is still up in the air. Jose Arquiti, who we've talked about, we're not 100% certain why he's not here. There's been rumors about him not being able to get in the country, him not being able to uh, travel um, to where the, the team is at. Jordan Alvarez, who's out with an undisclosed injury. Um, most people think this is COVID, but there's been no confirmed reports of this. We're not 100% certain. If he is not available, that's a huge bat missing out of the middle of your rotation, even if it's for the, just the first 10 days of the season. And I think that works Michael Brantley into being your DH to start the year. Roberto Orzuna, who had not thrown to active batters, but just a few days ago was delayed uh, to kind of work working into camp. And so I don't think he will be ready for opening day. And then Brad Peacock has battled some shoulder inflammation that has kept him out. Um, and uh, I don't think he will be ready for opening day either. Of course, we've already talked about Joe Smith opt out for the uh, 2020 season as well. So that's a look at what I believe is going to be your opening day roster for the Astros. Let's go ahead and get into some projections for the 2020 season. All right, so when we're looking at the 2020 season, when we're looking at game projections, um, I, I went through and kind of worked through the schedule for each team to kind of get an idea of where I think they would fall on wins and losses. And I also want to take a look at the rest of the division and uh, and the rest of the league as a whole as far as the American League because 
I think that the Rangers, when it comes down to the to this, I think the Rangers are going to be battling for one of the wild card spots that are going to be available in the American League. And the interesting thing here is, as we're actually recording this, the the NFL, I'm sorry, the MLBPA and the uh, MLB are actually working through extended playoff scenarios um, that they, if they can get this done in the next 20 or so hours, would extend the playoff teams from 10 to 16 teams. This would be huge for a team like the Rangers who would be in the the uh, kind of the battle for that second wild card spot. And this would ultimately put them in a position where they then would work themselves into what would should be an almost, I don't want to say automatic, but a much easier playoff position if you're looking at 16 compared to uh, just 10 spots. So first, in the division, I have the Astros number one. Um, this shouldn't be too much of a surprise, just as they, they do have probably the most talent of anyone in the AL West. Um, I have them going 35 and 25. Uh, and then directly following them, very close. I, I'm very high on this team as a whole. I like what they did in the offseason. I like what the way they closed out last year. And that's the Oakland A's. I have the Astros at 35 and 25, but I have the A's at 34 and 26. Um, I think that they're going to be right there on the heels of the Astros. I think they actually will be that second wild card spot or that first wild card spot in the American League. Um, and I think this is going to be a team to contend. This is where I think my projection moves away from, I think, most national outlets. Most people are really in love with the Los Angeles Angels, and there's a lot to be in love with, okay? Mike Trout, obviously, perennial MVP, uh, a guy like Shohei Ohtani, who, though he's being inconsistent with injuries at different ports of his career, is a revolutionary player in our game today, is able to hit for 300 and have a, a sub-2 ERA. That's amazing. The issue with Shohei has never been his talent. It's been his consistency in staying healthy. They added Anthony Rendon, who, you know, obviously World Series hero and a guy that signed a huge contract and uh, should bring immediate depth and impact to the third base. They added a catcher in Jason Castro, who the Astros should be very familiar with. Um, and also they have another catcher that the Astros traded them last year in Max Stassi, who should bring some stability to that position. Um, they have, uh, you know, uh, Albert Pujols, who is at the kind of the tail end of his career. Um, but Tommy LaStella had a great year last year and, and is an interior infielder who could add a lot of depth. Uh, they, they have good pieces, Justin Upton. So why am I telling you all this? Well, in recent years, they, they have talent. You'll get Andrew Henney coming out of their rotation. A guy like um, Dylan Bundy, um, Griffin Channing. They have pitching depth. They have interior infield depth. Their issue has never been their lack of talent. Their issue has been that they just have never been able to put it together. Some teams find a way to win. Some teams... When you look at what they have, they seem to always overperform. I look at a team like the Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays in recent years have one of the lowest, if not the lowest, uh, kind of salary in baseball when you look across their whole minor league team. It's always 29th, 28th, 30th. When you look at where they finished in recent years, 
they're challenging for a playoff spot almost every single year. That is the type of team that has built an organization and a culture that has said, hey, we expect to be in the playoffs. We expect this type of production. We expect us to make it. When you look at the Angels, this is a team that starts out strong almost every year. Mike Trout is always batting something ridiculous like 330. Looks amazing in the outfield. Their pitching lasts for a while. They're hanging in the division for a while. And then every year, when we get into the later kind of part of the year, they always tail off. Now, this year could be different, right? It's a shortened season. Um, you look at the talent that's that's on the team. They did add talent. You do expect them to be, I think, better than where they were last year. But let's not pretend like this is some just World Series um you know, team just ready to happen. Let's not pretend like this is a wild card team ready to happen. This is a team that lost 90 games last year, lost more than the Rangers did. Okay, let's put that in perspective. The Rangers finished last year at 78 and 84. The Angels were 72 and 90. You look at what they added, I I don't see them adding what is equivalent of 16 games. And I also don't see them you know, obviously we're not going to have 16 games in a 60-game season, but I don't see them adding what is the equivalent of jumping maybe a spot or even two on this team. So I mentioned most media outlets having having them go something like 30 and 30. I don't see that. I just don't see that happening. And I, I, I know this, obviously this is a Rangers, this is an Astros podcast. Why am I talking so much about the Angels? The Angels are the team that if the Rangers want to make the playoffs, they have to beat teams like the Angels. If the Rangers want to make the playoffs, they have to beat teams like the Mariners. If the the Rangers want to make the playoffs, they have to steal a game here or there from the Astros, from the A's. And I don't see the Angels being this huge player in this division. Again, they added some pieces. That's great. I just don't see it happening. If I was going to take a guess... With the way this roster is constructed for the Angels, I say they go 25, 28, uh, and 32. Maybe they go 25 and 35. I, I just don't see it happening. I could be convinced otherwise, but when you look at some of their advanced statistics, you look at what they did last year, and you look at the historically the output for this organization, they find ways to lose, and I just don't see them being huge players in this division this year. Uh, Now, on the other side, the Rangers, who most media outlets have as the fourth team in this division, winning somewhere between 25 to 27 games. I think the opposite. I think that they finished above the Angels last year. I think they added some nice pieces in guys like Corey Kluber, Todd Frazier. They figured some things out in guys like Isaiah Conner-Falefa. And I think that Rudin Adore is going to have a good year. Um, I think this team is primed for what is a playoff spot. And I also think that this team is primed to to jump the Angels. And I say jump, they jumped them last year, but I think this team is primed to put them in a position this year where they are the third best in this division and they're challenging for the second best in this division. I think the Rangers finish 32 
to 33 wins on the year. Which, when we're looking at a team like the Rangers finishing with 32 wins in the year, and you look at a team like the Astros finishing between 35 and 36, that doesn't sound like a huge number, but you have to remember that each one of those numbers is essentially times three in a normal year. So a gap of four games in a normal year, that's a 16-game, 12-game spread. You know, in a gap of six games, again, you're looking at that's a uh, a 24-game spread, you know, in a gap of a game or two even, you're looking that in a normal year, that's a five, it's a six-game spread. And the the playoff intensity is ramped up so much this year that I think that small window, that kind of 32 to 34 win team this year is going to, to challenge. Now, when you look at the rest of this division, and you, you look at the rest of baseball. The Mariners are not going to be players this year. They've sold a lot of their talent. They're they're looking very young. I would be surprised if the Mariners win 22, 25 games this year. I'm putting my number at 22. Um, I think that this goes Astros, A's, Rangers, Angels, Mariners, with the Mariners being the clear-cut worst team in this division. Now you look at the rest of the American League, which I mentioned, if this the playoff, if baseball playoff is extended from 10 to 16 games, I think this is huge for the Rangers and it's huge for a couple other teams. But when you look at the rest of the AL, you know, you, you have the AL West, which we're in again, I said, I think it's the Astros, A's, Rangers, Angels, Mariners, but you look at the other teams in the AL, um, the AL central is an interesting division, uh, because one, I think the white Sox are going to be the most improved team in baseball. The Twins are going to be hard-pressed to do what they did last year. The Indians lost a lot in the offseason and I think are on the way down as an organization. The Royals are rebuilding. The Tigers are rebuilding. So out of that division, the only 30-win team that, uh, the only 35-plus win team that I see is the Twins. I think they win 35, 36 games. I think the White Sox are not far behind. I think they're right there at at 32, 33 wins. The White Sox are going to be a team in the AL that if the Rangers want to make the playoffs, I think they're battling for the White Sox for that second uh, wild card spot, along with teams like the A's. I don't think the, the Indians will have as near good a season as many people think they will. I think they'll end up uh, winning between 30 to 32 games. I don't think the Royals will be players, and we know for a fact the Tigers will be players. They're selling off any chance they can get. You look at the AL East, obviously you have a team like the Yankees that's going to be one of the best teams in baseball. The Rays, year after year, historically has been a good team. I have them winning about 34 games this year. Then you have a team like Boston. Boston's in a weird, interesting position because they're relying on some young talent to really play big, um, but they're also sold off as much as they can. And I see them winning about 28 to 30 games in the year. Blue Jays are in a rebuilding year. They added a lot of pieces, and they could be a team that makes that jump, but I think they're just a year or two away. Um, if they win 30 games in this year, that's that's a huge, huge thing for them, but I think they're, they only end up winning between 25 to 27 games. And then the Orioles, who I suspect will be the worst team in baseball. Why am I talking about all this? Well, because that second wild card spot, that first and second wild card spot, I think are going to be huge. I think your division winners are the Yankees, the Twins, and the Astros. But out of those remaining teams, the Rays, the White Sox, the A's, the Rangers, 
you could throw the Indians in there, and then you could throw the Angels in there. I think all are going to be battling for that second wild card spot. And I I really think that I think the A's are very talented. I think that they could be in a position for at least one of those. I think the Rays are very talented. I think the Rays will definitely be in position for one of those. And if the Rangers want to make the playoffs, I think it's going to have to be going to have to go through one of those two teams, the Rays or the A's. And if they can show, if the Rangers can show that they can consistently beat teams like that, um, one of those spots will be theirs. If this jumps up to 16 playoff spots and we move from having just two wild cards in in each division to instead having uh, three additional playoff spots across the AL and NL, um, that's huge for the Rangers. That's when you see teams like I think the White Sox make the playoffs. The Rangers uh, for sure make the playoffs. The Angels could have a conversation about the playoffs. The Indians could have a conversation about the playoffs. Heck, if the year goes right for the Red Sox um, and a you know some of those players, some of those young players they're really counting on, um, you know, work out, they could make a, a wild card if this playoff is extended. So that's my thoughts. What are your thoughts on projections for the 2020 season? Do you see the Rangers making the playoffs? Do you see, do you agree with some of my, my division picks or, um, you know, the A's being as good as they are in our division? Uh, let me know, uh, TX Triple Play on Twitter and Instagram and the Texas Triple Play Facebook group. All right, for one of my last segments here today, I want to go through two bold predictions that I have for the 2020 season about players on the roster for either club. And I'm going to start on the uh, Astros side of the house. Um, My bold prediction for the 2020 season for the Astros is that Alex Bregman will win the 2020 American League MVP. And I'm going to have a sub one. I know I said I was only going to have one, but I'm actually going to have another one. I also think by the middle of the season, Abraham Toro will have worked himself into a regular rotation of playing um, in this lineup at different positions. Uh, let's start with let's start with the Alex Bregman one. If you look at what Alex Bregman did last year uh, in 156 games played, 690 at bats. He had 164 hits, 37 doubles, two triples, 41 home runs, 112 RBIs, five stolen bases. He walked 119 times, bat 296, had a 423 on base percentage, and a uh, 1.015 OPS. He was second in MVP voting behind Mike Trout and was a a silver slugger and an all-star. I think he's 25 years old. I think he's coming into his prime. When you look at this team, you could say things like, hey, I think Jose Altuve is going to have a better year this year. You know, Carlos Correa could have a a breakout, you know, kind of a a bounce back, I guess you could say, season. George Springer might have a big year and a contract year for him. But I think when you look at all these teams that are set up for success, all these players that are set up for success and what these team, these uh, players have done historically, I think Alex Bregman takes a huge step forward this year. And when I say huge, I mean even bigger than what he's done in years past. 
when you look at his last three years, 284, 286, 296 when it comes to, to batting average, has played 155, 157, 156 games, so very consistent. Home runs shot through the roof, 1931-41. Walks shot through the roof, 55 in 2017, 80, sorry, uh, 96 in 2018, 119 in 2019. And then you look at his OPS, 827, 926, 1.015. His numbers have continued to go up ever since even his rookie year. And I think that it's, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it, I think he's the MVP. I think he's the MVP this year in a shortened year. I think that he he plays almost every game. Um, I think he's a lock for Silver Slugger. I think he's a lock for what essentially would be an all-star, even though we're not going to have an all-star game this year. And I think he beats out Mike Trout for MVP. I think Mike Trout's going to have a good year. I don't think that this is Mike Trout going down as much as I think this is Alex Bregman going up. I think Alex Bregman has a huge, huge year. And as much as people don't want to hear that, I know that a lot of people don't like him. I think his talent speaks for himself. The other side of this is Abraham Toro. Carlos Correa is in the last year of what is an arbitration year next year. There have been mixed reports on how the Astros feel about him as an organization. James Click is a new GM. He has no sentimental ties to Carlos, Carlos Correa being the number one pick. He has battled injuries in recent years. He has battled inconsistencies, inconsistencies as at the plate in recent years. He's been really good. You look at the home run in the playoffs. You look at him coming forward in some of the biggest moments. He has all the tools to be Derek Jeter. And I'm not saying that to be lightly. He does. Coming out of, uh, you know, when he came, you know, in the draft and when that was the number one overall pick, shot through the Astros system, was one of their top five players the second he was drafted. And he was in single A. Extremely talented player, but the inconsistencies year in, year out for Carlos Correa have been damaging for his career. His injuries, his weird injuries. There was a weird thing with his masseuse cracking a rib and him missing almost a month and a half to two months of the season. It's not telling. And in a year like this where you have a shortened season, if Carlos Correa misses any type of time, which he has shown the inability to stay healthy, and Abraham Toro comes in and his bat is hot, as it was last year in the minor leagues, batting 365. Abraham Toro is an above average defender who has shown the ability to put barrel on bat, uh, barrel on ball. And I think he has a future in this franchise. I don't expect the Astros to extend Carlos Correa. I don't. I'm, I'm that, and that's another, I guess, bold prediction. I don't expect them to extend Carlos Correa. A matter of fact, I would say the chances are more likely that they trade Carlos Correa and get something for him in the last year of his deal than to extend him. And that might be hurt, something that hurts Astros fans, but he's done a lot of things to rub this city the wrong way. He's made comments about wanting to play in bigger markets. He's made comments just uh, right now during this time that have rubbed some people the wrong way. I do not see Carlos Correa having a future with this franchise. And I want him to work out. It's not that I want this to happen, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, I, I think by the middle of the year, I think we see someone like Abraham Toro, who I think 
has an elite, uh, an excess amount of talent, work his way into playing every day, whether that's at DH, whether that's uh, at shortstop, whether that's um, you know platooning. Um, I won't say platooning, but giving uh, uh, Jose Altuve a day off here or there, whether that's maybe playing first base. Um, you know, I think he's going to find his way onto this roster somehow. Um, now let's go ahead and flip house here and look at the Rangers side. My bold prediction for the Rangers is that Rudin Odor bats north of 300 for this entire season. When you look at the last three years for Rudnet. Um, in 2017, he appeared in 162 games out of 162 games in the season, had 651 plate appearances, 607 um, actual at-bats, um, and he hit 204. He had 30 home runs, but he hit 204. When you look at 2019, 145 games played, 581 plate appearances, 205 batting average. When you look at his home runs, 30. Almost identical. But last year, he struck out more times than he ever had at any point of his career. He struck out 178 times in less plate appearances and less games than he had in the 2015, 2016, 2017 season. He missed some time in 2018, ended up only appearing 129 games. But I tell you all of this to say that he is in a make-or-break year for this franchise. Last year, as a player, he had a negative war impact for this team. When you look at his salary, you look at what he brought to this team in performance, he had a 0.2 war for this team. You look at the year prior in 2018, 1.8 war. Wins above replacement for a player. In this offseason, John Daniels has come out and talked about Rudnett, and he's talked about some things on the field. He's talked about how his swing looks more balanced. He's talked about how he sees the ball better and looking for his pitches. But what's interesting is what he's saying about Rudnet's character. With Rudnet having a family now, and Rugi, I think, growing up and maturing as a person, I think he realizes now what it takes to be a pro. I think he realizes now what it takes to be a major league ball player. Remember, he's still just 26 years old. He's not in any way you know, an an old, old guy, but he signed full-time until 2023, and really that's a team option. This is in, you know, this year is the kind of year where if you were going to try to move on from him, if you were going to try to maybe move his contract, it only gets north from here as far as salary, and this was the year that you, I think, Rugi has to show, hey, I'm worth what you paid for me. And I think he will. He is, he's looked more balanced in the offseason. He has looked more poised in the offseason. He hasn't struck out as much. He's hit five home runs in between summer and spring ball. His, his swing has looked more balanced. He's come out and talked about 
um, how he trained in the offseason, how he focused in the offseason, how he really wanted to make sure that he came into this year, no matter what the season looked like, as the best version that he could be. Now, beyond his bat, I mean, there's there's areas that he needs to improve. Let's not pretend. He was the uh, the number one most errors committed by a second baseman in the 2015, 2016, 2017, and 2019 season. He committed 15 errors last year, 19 in 2017, 22 in 2016, and 17 in 2015. But what that does show me, with the exception of 2018, what that does show me, though, is that those numbers are going down. I think he is starting to figure things out on this on the the second base side of things. In 2018, he had the most double plays turned as a second baseman with 96. the The potential is there. Um, when you look at uh, you know range factor for a second baseman, which is an advanced stat that they use to to kind of track um, getting to a ball and actually putting yourself in a defense defensive position to get it out. He has ranked, since he's been in the league, third, first, second, third, and fourth, uh, with last year being the worst um, out of all second basemen in the league, in the American League. So the, the the ability is there. He's putting himself in a good position to be there. Um, and his fielding percentage at times has looked great. He was second in 2018 in fielding percentage. He was fifth in 2019 in fielding percentage, but still caused errors on things like throws, on drop balls, on just bonehead mistakes. And I think a lot of this can be accounted to physically. Physically, he's putting himself in a position to make plays and mentally just isn't making the plays. And I think that they can say the same thing about his approach to the bat. Striking out that many times in a season and looking at uh, his approach, when you look at his batting average and his on-base percentage, striking out 178 times in a season and having an on-base percentage of just 283, that's not something you ever want from any player. But I think you look at, look at both of those things and you say, hey, his lack of walks, 52 walks last year, doesn't look like a lot, but it's actually the most that he's had for an entire season since he's been here that's something that you can see a trend. I think there's things that are pointing up for him that he's looked better. His swing has looked more balanced. Mentally, he looks like he's in place. And I think that he bats over 300 for the season. I think if I'm taking a guess, I'm going to say he bats 305. I think he's the most improved player on this team. I think he's the most improved player in the American League. Um, And I think that he's a big reason, along with probably Jonathan Hernandez and uh, a guy like Nick Goody, Um, and Jose Leclerc out of the bullpen, why this team makes the 2020 playoffs. I think when we look at what they've added to the rotation and you look at players like Ruggie, who I think are going to take a huge step forward, uh, I think this team ends up making the playoffs, and I think Ruggie is a big part of that. Thanks for checking out this week's edition of the Texas Triple Play Podcast. I've been your host, Ben Staten. Really quick before we let you go, I did want to just mention, um, obviously, the regular season is going to start here in less than 48 hours. The Astros are opening um, with a four-game series against the Mariners at home. Um, So at Minute Maid Park, that's uh, on Friday at 810, Saturday, July 25th at 310, 
Sunday, July 26th at 110, and then Monday, July 27th at 610. I would suspect the Astros to probably go 3-1 and one in those games. We've talked about the Mariners on this podcast, but they've sold out a lot of their young talent, um, and uh, I, I would suspect that uh, that series is fairly easy for them. The big series, the big series for the Astros is coming up on the 28th and the 29th as they play the Los Angeles Dodgers at Minute Maid. And there's a lot of fans on both sides of that that, uh, World Series rematch rivalry that are very excited for that game and for many different reasons. We're going to be putting out an episode, I believe, either Sunday or Monday um, here as I just want to get a quick turnaround as we... Um, start working through this season and I think you'll see that I'm going to start putting out episodes probably on a bi-weekly basis um, sometimes probably on a weekly just depending on what my schedule looks like uh, but I'm going to try to get them to you bi-weekly as we uh, look at the pre- preview of upcoming series review past series look at trends that's going on uh, with teams um, and then if you look at the Rangers side of the house they are going to be open at home at Globe Life Field for the first ever real game at Globe Life Field um, with the Colorado Rockies on uh, Friday at 7.05, Saturday at 3.05, Sunday at 1.35. And then they are going to then piggyback that with a two-game series with the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday. So um, I think the Rangers have a shot to win that series this weekend against the Rockies. I think they go 2-1, and one, um, and they do end up uh, beating them to that. Uh, series, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I think that these these first few series are going to be telling on uh, w- the ways that managers manage these games and, and what they even look like and uh, if it's going to look different. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, a few quick things I wanted to leave y'all with before I let you go. Uh, Jose Altuve was in an a um, and I don't want to say an altercation with home plate, but he did hit his knee. Um, when coming to home plate on a real bang-bang play and there was concerns about him if he was going to be okay, he is fine. Uh, Dusty Baker has come out and said um, that was in an expedition game against the Royals that he is okay, um, everything is fine. And there was an interesting article put up by ESPN highlighting that three Astros players were uh, hit in the second expedition game with the Royals. Um, when you go look at the all three of the hit um, the, the hit batters, none of them seem intentional. Two of them were on a changeup. One of them was on a slider that looked like it got away. None of them deliberately looked like the pitcher was actually trying to hit the Astros player. And a matter of fact, one of them was actually done with the bases loaded and it walked home a run. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I'm going to err on the side that I know there will be players in this season that say, hey, we're going to hit the Astros, and I think it's going to happen. I, I don't think, I'm not naive to say that it's not going to happen, but I, I think it's I think it's funny when people make more of it than it is, and uh, there, guys are going to get hit in baseball. That's the way baseball works. Pitchers have a hard time throwing strikes as it is anyway. Pitchers have a difficult time hitting guys, even if they want to, and I think you're going to have situations where Astros players will get hit, and it'll just be an accident. And Astros players will get hit, and it will be on purpose. Um, but, you know, just something interesting to leave y'all with. Um, uh, one last thing I wanted to mention about the the roster. Greg Bird, who was a minor league invite, who was uh, uh, hopeful to make the 40-man uh, Rangers roster, was hopeful to make the 60-man Ranger roster, roster, did all those things, but was hopeful to make the opening day roster, and he has not. 
most people believe he's going to opt out for free agency to go play and find playing time on a club that does not have depth at first base. Um, we'll be monitoring that in the next few days, but John Daniels mentioned that he's going to continually look to add talent. And I think as some of these veteran players are let go or released by clubs, um, I won't be surprised if if the Rangers are in talks with those, uh, uh, players to get them to, um, the team and, and add them to the squad. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, until next time, I've been your host, Ben Staten. Be on the lookout in the next couple days for our next episode. And hey, it is officially right here. It's right around the corner at the start of the 2020 baseball season. We're excited. Thank you for hanging with us. Uh, and thank you for, for growing and building this podcast. Until next time, this has been the Texas Triple Play Podcast.